Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit gets fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I and you and all of us learn how to be mighty overcomers. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. The scripture said he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Now, just doing your own thing, well, you won't always triumph. But in him and pursuing him and following his spirit and doing his plan and will, you just keep overcoming. You just keep winning and winning until you get out of here and the big win. Get your Bible and uh, something to make a note with. Come on into the classroom. Let's, uh, get, let's believe for fresh manna from heaven, something that feeds our spirit as only he can today. Father, all of us agree together, touching this, asking you, reaching out to you for the anointed word, the living word, the word of life the word of truth, asking for the utterance and anointing of your Holy Spirit, asking for the direction and guidance for the next steps, uh, next parts of our life, asking for a supply of your living Holy Spirit that does in us, uh, for us, and through us, and by us what no one else can do. We ask for it. In Jesus' name, and we know it's your will to, for us to have it, so we thank you for hearing it and granting it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Look, please, in Mark, the eighth chapter again, as we continue our study uh, of these 20 individual accounts of healing. We're calling it Faith for Healing. And we're down to number 12 in our study the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida. Uh, Look with me in verse 22. It says, He, talking about Jesus, comes to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man to him. Aren't you glad Jesus said, well, now, you know, if he had a headache or something, (laughs) or a stomachache, maybe I could minister to him. But, you know, blindness is, is really serious. No. Uh, maybe for you to heal, (laughs) you couldn't heal the stomachache either. (laughs) But if you're not doing it, if the power of God's doing it, it's no harder for the power of God to heal blindness or AIDS or terminal cancer. Come on, are y'all with me? We think in terms of hard and not so hard. But based on what? Based on what criteria? We're thinking about man's ability to treat it in the natural. We're not talking about being healed 
by natural human treatment. This is healed by the power of God. Right? We thank God for good doctors and nurses and the whole profession. It's, we thank God. It's a wonderful natural helps to the great physician himself. But it doesn't take the place of what he does. Only he can do it. You can have the best surgeon in the world perform the best procedure in the world on you. That didn't heal you. After they get through, now you've got to heal up. Right? Well, where did that healing come from? It came from the Creator who created the body. He put a certain amount of healing in the body just for maintenance and recovery. And the great lesson is where that healing came from, there's more. <laughs> there's a lot more. And when you just, you know, when the Lord cranks up the healing power twofold, fivefold, tenfold, a hundredfold, times what normally would work in the body, that's when you see some instantaneous things. Not only did it not take three weeks to heal up, it didn't take three minutes. I mean, there it is. Well, the God who made the body obviously can heal the body, and he is called the great physician, the great healer. And we see people bringing individuals to Jesus on a regular basis. And he never told them, this is too hard. This is too much. He never told them, well, you know, it might not be God's will. Uh, you know, God, God does a lot of mysterious things. Never. That, that's religious tradition, trying to explain things they don't understand. Jesus never told anybody that they had to wait. To receive their healing. Never. Never told them that God was teaching them something through it. Never. These are all goofy religious ideas. That men, I, I don't care if they're 500 years old, they were goofy back then, they're still goofy now. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to mock and make fun of people, but come on, you got to have some respect for the Word of God. Right? And you don't just read. People say, well, I'm entitled to my beliefs. Not if you're a real Christian. No. If you're a real Christian, you don't just make up stuff and believe it. You believe what the head of the church told you to believe. You believe the Word. And if you can't find it in the Word, you need to seriously examine it and question it. I don't care who else believes it and how long they have been. We've been talking about that, about spiritual influences. Right? And that's what we're talking about again. We see that they came to Bethsaida, they brought the blind man to him, and they besought him to touch him. Why would they want him to touch him? Because Jesus talked about how he was anointed. Faith comes by hearing. They heard about the anointing, they had faith in that anointing, and by this time, a lot of people had touched and been healed. He had touched a lot of people and been healed, so... It's not surprising that they'd show up and go, would you touch him? <laughs> would you touch him? And basically, he immediately responds in a positive way. I will, but he didn't do it the way they imagined. He didn't just start praying for him or laying hands on him. He grabbed him by the hand and said, we'll see y'all in a bit. And he just took off with him. And they saw him go down the street and turn the corner and keep going. They're like, where's he going? And he went all the way out of town, out of the village, out of the town of Bethsaida. 
And we're asking the question, why would he do that before he would minister to him? And we've been talking all this week about spiritual environment, spiritual influences, and how much they matter. We backed up to the seventh chapter here in the previous account that we studied, and Jesus took that man away from the crowd. He took him out of the multitude before he would minister to him. And we looked up at the chapter before that, the sixth chapter, and we saw that in Jesus' own hometown, his ministry was severely impacted and limited by the utter disrespect and rejection of his ministry by his own town's folk. And that's where Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor except in his own hometown, among his own kinfolks, in his own house. So there's a real danger of judging people after the flesh and not seeing the holy things that God has put in them, not respecting, uh, just because it came through them doesn't mean it was from them. We want to grow and become spiritual enough that we can recognize God no matter who he's speaking through. Right? If it's a complete stranger or if it's somebody we've known our whole life. Hmm? And we see a danger here is when God, was God speaking through Jesus when he stood up in the synagogue and said, the spirit of the Lord's on me because he's anointed me? 100%. And yet what'd they say? We know him. That's Joseph and Mary's boy. He's a carpenter. He's not... He's not even a rabbi. You know, he's not even a, who's he saying he's a prophet? He's a carpenter. He works with wood down at the wood shop. And he's saying he, he's the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy? Ah, no. He, I don't know what he ate last night, but man, he, <laughs> huh? And they were offended at him. Now, we know that's not good, but we got to remind ourselves it's not just not good, it shut down his ministry in their midst. Mark 6, 5 says he could there do no mighty works. A few people got a few things. The implication is that it wasn't that serious, but no, no big miracles. No what the Bible calls mighty works. Didn't say he chose not to, said he couldn't. He couldn't. So this, when you understand this, you realize that whether people receive a message or don't is a very big deal because then that is affecting the results of the message. We believe God's a God of abundance. We believe God's a good God. He'll supply all your needs. He'll help you pay your bills. He'll even give you some nice things. The Bible said... Uh, he gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, we've been mocked and made fun of uh, by that. But if you reject that message, then you have rejected what it produces. you got these same people. They don't like that, but then they're always asking for help. <laughs> right? Oh, God, help. But you've rejected the message, though. You can't reject the message and get the benefits. Huh? You got to receive the message.
to get what the message produces. And we saw that with, uh, with God's man Abram, we were studying that yesterday, how that uh, the first thing he did with him in this big walk with faith is he said, get out of your country. Get out of your father's house. Get away from your kinfolks and come with me and I'll show you uh, where we're going, where I'll take you. Out of this environment. Because so many times, if you stay in that environment, you will never change. You get comfortable, especially as you get older. <laughs> you know, you get comfortable. You're used to this, you're used to that. And you don't realize how much spiritual influence is shaping your thoughts and, and skewing your view and your perspective. That's why time after time the Lord has to get you out of there. <laughs> Come on, can you see that? Get you completely out of that spiritual influence and get you over here for a while until you, uh, you begin to go, well, now hold on. We always thought that, but, but look at here. Can you see that? And what will happen in that kind of scenario, you'll grow and develop. And, and then if you see some of the other folks, you'll think, man, they've changed. No, they had not changed. <laughs> You've changed. And that's what God wanted is for you to grow and develop. And a lot of these things don't just happen all overnight. They happen over a period of time. But the only way to get it right is just obey God. Right? If he deals with you, come out of that. You know? And sad to say, oh, I shouldn't say sad to say, it's just the way it is, there's a lot of churches people don't need to go to. Y'all with me, friends? Yes. It's just a fact. There's a lot of churches that the Lord never ordained to be a church. And there's people that are pastoring and preaching in pulpits that's not even born again. They don't know God. I know back, I used to teach at, at a Bible school and we had a couple come in one time and they were in their uh, 70s and uh, they had pastored a church for, I don't know, 30 years or something and retired from that denomination and then got in a Bible study with some other folks and got born again. Oh. <laughs> And then came to Bible school in their late 70s and said, well, you know, we did all that, but we didn't even know God. So before we get out of here, we want some real fruit of ministry. Isn't that something? Yes. You pastor for 30 years, not even born again yourself. So what are you telling people? <laughs> what are you telling? Well, you're telling people religion, tradition. You know, any number of other things. But uh, it matters the spiritual influence. It matters the environment. It's wonderful to be around people of faith. People of like faith. Hallelujah. We, we talk about this in the church all the time. You need faith buddies. Huh? Anybody know that? Well, what do you mean? Faith buddies. We even, we even have code talk in faith buddies. What do you mean? 
you, you can see somebody or you can call them or say something and you say, hey, um, tell me again how healed I am. <laughs> you don't have to say, I'm going through a bad thing. I'm having a problem. Tell me again. How, and a faith, a faith friend won't go, oh, dear, how do you feel? <laughs> oh, come on now. Don't give me that faith stuff. Just to, tell me how you really feel. That ain't, that ain't a faith buddy. Now, what will a faith buddy say? Healed? Healed? You so healed? The healed people call you healed. Let me tell you how healed you are. And they start giving you scriptures. They start telling you, reminding you of things God has done for you in the past. They start reminding you what God's done for them. Or, you know, tell me again how God meets all my needs. Tell me again. You need folks that are not just going to go flip out and get full of fear and panic because there's a problem. You need somebody that will come up shoulder to shoulder with you and go, hey, God's brought us through all this other stuff. He'll get us through this. And talk faith. You need to be around faith. He that walks with wise men will be wise. You hang out with fools, (laughs) you'll be a fool too. You'll get destroyed. Uh, But you hang out with faith people. And if you follow God's directive and plan for your life, he will get you around people that that have more faith than you. And have bigger vision than you. And oh, you need this. You need this. I know uh, we, we now have an aircraft in the ministry. And it enables us to do all kind of things that you just could not do. It saves whole days and has you, allows you to do meetings you could have never have done. And help people and things. But I know years ago, that was just beyond our scope of thinking. We just thought, you know, I didn't know anybody who knew anybody who knew anybody that had an airplane? I mean, it was just, you know, the airlines have them. I mean, you buy tickets, you can ride on one. But uh, uh, an elder in the faith and my friend, Brother Kenneth Copeland, uh, he had been in aviation in the ministry. And so I was doing something down at his place one time, and we came by his hangar and this beautiful airplane sitting there. And he says, uh, Keith, get up in there. All right, okay. Now, going up to the front, to the cockpit, you know, man, that's where the pilots sit, you know. He said, sit down in the left seat. That's where the captain sits, you know. Sit down in there. I thought, okay, well, why? He said, just sit down there and make airplane noises. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, you know, just like a little kid. Why? Why would you do that? See, to him, this is something that's just normal. To me, it seems, you know, like for somebody else. But being around somebody with bigger faith than yours is contagious. Ah, it gets off on you, right? People that have received healings before, they're like, oh yeah, you can be healed. Come on, just believe God. People that have seen financial miracles, they're like, hey, he's done it for me. He'll do it for you. Come on. But you, you get around the wrong kind of people, they go, oh, no, that's all passed away. No, I've never heard of that. Don't know anybody. <laughs> you don't need that, right? <laughs> then what little faith and vision you get, they'll try to rain on it and push it out and quench it. And you got a little spark of faith and like, Psh, they pour water on you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> No, you want somebody that'll fan the flame. Is that right? Come on. Get that thing. Let it burst into a flame and go, 
No, let me tell you, look at all, look what God's done over here. He'll do this for you. Influence, spiritual influence, faith influence. If you follow God's plan for your life, he'll lead you, like he told Abraham, leave that, come out of that. And then he took him step by step, place after place, and he got different things at different places, and he learned more about God. And you can look over the scope of his life. His faith just kept growing and just kept developing until he could believe for astounding things. He didn't start there. Back in this idol worship country where he came from, he didn't start there. He didn't get that from that. And so if you follow the Lord's leading, He'll get you around people. Now, you can't just make your decisions based on money, based on pay, based on a region that you think you, you like the best. You've got to be willing to go wherever He leads you, right? And then stay wherever He stations you. And if you'll do that, it doesn't all happen overnight. But if you'll do that, one thing will lead to another, lead to another. Next thing you know, you've got a real friend here. and You've got some other friends here. They know how to pray. And they, they know some things about God you hadn't learned yet. Next thing you know, they got friends. It's got bigger vision. And you're just like hanging around it. And you go, oh, man, I, you get to feeling like, you know, maybe I could believe for something big too. Yeah, yeah. And it's wonderful. Amen. Then it's just one faith adventure after another. This is how the child of God is supposed to live. Amen. Not beat down. Not oppressed, not discouraged, not defeated. If that's your life, you're hanging around the wrong bunch. Come on, are you with me? You are, and if everybody agrees with you about how bad it is, you are around the wrong bunch. You're not changing them, and they're pulling you down. And we've talked about this before, but somebody said, well, doesn't God love the people that I was around? And He does. He does. But... He knows who is willing to change and who is not. You don't know people's hearts. You don't know what they know. He sees the end from the beginning. And sadly, there are a lot of situations of people, they are not going to change. I don't care what they would see or hear or what they would be exposed to. They are going to cling to their little traditions and their little stuff that they know and they wouldn't leave that for anything in the world. And so they will live there and they will die there. Mm -hmm. God loves them. Mm -hmm. But they are absolutely unwilling to change. Abraham, we see why, he was why, why he's in the book. I mean, when God tells him to go, but he goes. Yes. Right? God told him to offer up Isaac next morning. He's headed up the mountain. Come on, can you see that? This is what makes a man or woman a real faith person. It makes you a real friend to go, what? You will flat do anything he tells you to do. And you won't argue with him about it. And you won't fuss about it. He is number one. Right? You will leave anything, anywhere, go anywhere, give anything, do anything. Obedience is such a big part of faith. So when Jesus takes this man's hands, blind man, and says, you come on with me, what's he doing? 
He's leading him out of unbelief. Oh, come on, can you see that? He's leading him out of things that would hinder him from, what does he want? He wants to see. Well, if it doesn't matter, Jesus would have just ministered to him right here. Right? If it didn't matter, Jesus would say, well, I know this whole town's an unbelieving bunch. But let me just show you something, all right? Let's watch right here. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He got the man out of and away from things that were hindering his healing, hindering his faith. Got him away from the negative voices. Got him away from the negative influences. Got him away from the darkness to where I'm sure the man didn't know what was going on. But all at once, he senses nothing but him and Jesus. Come on, can you see that? And he's that far from his healing now. Hallelujah. That's, That's all he senses. And the Lord ministers to him. And glory to God, he's not thinking about mama and daddy or my folks or my family tree or Bethsaida. That's long out of his thinking. He's thinking about God is so good. And I, whoa, huh? (laughs) I can see. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Are you willing to let the Lord Jesus lead you out from the junk? from the people who are never going to change, from the institutions that are never going to change, from the religion that's never going to change. Somebody say, Lord, lead me out. Lead me out. I will go where you send me. I will stay where you station me. Thank you for delivering me out of darkness into the light, the glorious light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Our time's up again today, but I tell you, I think I can hear some shouting on the other side of the camera there. Good things are happening. As you can see, we didn't finish this, so you got to come back with us uh, next week. Come back for some more. We'll see you soon here at Faith School. I've really enjoyed being with you again this week here at Faith School. Uh, I know we're making progress. Uh, We're talking about Abraham, and we're also talking about Lot. And the Bible said in in Genesis 13 that Abram was very rich in cattle, silver, gold. And verse 5 says, Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Because of his association with Abraham, he prospered. He was blessed. And we're believing with you. I know many of you are partners And if you're not a partner and you want to be, there's information on the screen. You can find out more. But I want you to know that we, the staff here, Phyllis and myself, we are actively believing with you that the anointing that is on us that causes all our needs to be met is on you also and that every seed produces after its own kind. And you know the type of ground you sow into makes a difference as to what kind of harvest you have. That's true in the natural. It's true in the spiritual. Agree with me right now over your seed and your support of this ministry. Father, I am setting my faith with our partners. I speak over them increase. And the same uh, abundance that we experience, 
they're associated with us. And that spiritual influence makes a difference. Cause to come into their life that same flow, overflowing abundance. In Jesus' name, we bless you in the name of the Lord. We'll see you again soon right here at Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.